Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Pensacola, Florida, it's time for I-10 Wired Radio, brought to you by IT Gulf Coast, Florida West, and App River. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Keith Hilbert here, and uh, we're broadcasting from our Business Radio X studios here in Pensacola. And this is a, this is a special edition of I-10 Wired Radio. And uh, I, I have Beth McLean, I have Frank White, and I have Vernon Stewart on the uh, the horn with us here today, and Frank's joining us via Tallahassee and Skype. We we love technology, and then the other two uh, have come in here on a Saturday afternoon just to kind of kick it. So, uh, welcome everybody. Thanks. Thank you. Thank and, you. And uh, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about triumph. We're going to talk yes. about money, right? <laughs> so uh, I'm going to let Beth take it over here because this is she's kind of spearheaded this and really wanted to get this out in front of people and, and us talking about it. So Beth, please, by all means. Absolutely. And Frank, thank you so much for being here on the Saturday. I've been kind of stalking you on um, the internet and I saw how busy your <laughs> schedule was. So I appreciate you making the time. <laughs> yeah, no, glad to do it. Absolutely. And so we've been talking back and forth and um, about Triumph Gulf Coast. And, and the, the reason being, we're all taking a personal interest in it because it is the biggest, um, I want to say, a windfall in economic development that Florida has ever seen, correct? I mean, it's... For our region, absolutely. Okay. Yes. And so it's pretty critical. Um, everyone's curious about how it's going to be, I guess, divvied up and where it is in the legislative piece right now, because it seems that between the House and the Senate side... Um, there's a little bit of a conflict and we're just kind of curious about how that is going to play out and how it's going to play out for Northwest Florida. And will we see the funds um, on Friday or not? Yes. So <laughs> I am, my, my opinion has changed a lot in the last 24 hours. Okay. Um, and up until, you know, just to kind of lay the land and some background um, for folks, we, of course, you know, the triumph funds are from a civil settlement with BP, which we all remember 2010 and, um, Deepwater Horizon disaster where, you know, for, remember that it was, I guess it was seven years ago. I think what the anniversary was a week yes. or two ago, but you know, we remember what that set off and an ent- entire summer of just relentless, you know, 24 hour day news cycle, um, images of just, you know, that oil getting pumped out and very, and people in scary looking hazmat suits across our beaches. Um, we all know there really wasn't all that much oil that actually hit, but there were some, you know, significant, clearly economic consequences and the kind of the concern over long-term environmental issues that we've got to monitor and watch. Um, so it, it hit, it hit our region extremely hard, obviously. Well, there were a number of different ways that BP was held responsible for that. Um, the, initially there were some, um, some, civil some penalties that bp had to pay and bp just knowing <laughs> that it was inevitable just started writing checks as well um before it necessarily you know was forced to by a judge um and and a lot of those monies were were sent straight to counties based off a negotiated formula formula um to the state and to counties um in each in the you know it was it was, there was a big issue that you know it, it started with a federal issue where the three different where the states that were affected um, Texas, Mississippi, Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, and Florida all went to the, to Congress and got the Restore Act passed. That was where a lot of those penalties and those early funds were divvied up and and spent. Most of those went to um, went to settlements directly with businesses and to environmental restoration efforts uh, along along the entire Gulf Coast. There was a separate process where the states sued BP, and that. You know, a year and a half ago, roughly, I believe, year and a half, 
ago, the, the settlement actually occurred. And um, when those when those checks got cut, the states treated them differently. Uh, the, for Alabama, for example, just all the money went into the strip into into the state budget and it just plugged a huge hole in the state budget. In Florida, thanks to Senator Gates' leadership and his son, Matt Gates, who was uh, the state representative then, along with playing rooms, who's still in the House and, and others, um, Senator Broxson, of course, is part of it. But, but really, Senate President Don Gates was the guy who I think really made it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and signed by Governor Scott, they said 75% of those civil penalty of, uh, of the, that civil settlement in that lawsuit by the state was to go to eight, the eight counties that were affected disproportionately. So the eight counties that really got hurt. And that was, um, you know, of course, Escambia, Santa Rosa, um, Okaloosa. And then, you know, you can go on and look at a map and see the ones along the coast. Yeah. Uh, and that, that statute laid out how the funds were supposed to be divvied up. Um, for, well, it, it laid out how it set up this process where this thing called Triumph Gulf Coast, this nonprofit um, kind of, quasi-governmental but still independent uh, board would make the decisions of how those funds were, be, were to be invested. And I think everybody at the time, as at least the, certainly the legislature and the governor, by passing this law, thought that those funds should be invested to strengthen and diversify our regional economy. So that the idea, the big idea being that the next time something, an environmental disaster happens, that it doesn't bring our region to its knees economically. And I think that was wise. I think that's the way that's that's the the right approach for the funds. Um, and so that's you know, that that's and I think that philosophy has continued um, what the hiccup occurred uh, in that actual agreement a year, a year ago between the states and the judge. And in that in that settlement agreement, it didn't say that the funds had to go, you know, were to were to go straight to triumph. Um, the funds were to go first through, you know, they it, it, the language wasn't in that in that judicial settlement agreement, and so that sent the funds you know through the state, and then the state has to make an appropriation, has to take an act to appropriate the funds, and uh, yeah, there were some folks in the legislature who said, "Whoa, we got <laughs> we have to follow our constitution," um, and our constitution says only the legislature can appropriate, so we need a bill to appropriate these funds now to triumph. Um, that's where this where really a little over a year ago was where was when we all got really worried that whoa we need okay big pot of money stop parked in Tallahassee <laughs> this is now all in jeopardy potentially mm-hmm. um, there was a big issue in the campaign as I my first run for office was you know started about a year ago and ran campaigns about the summer was successful in one in November and this was the number one issue I campaigned on was ensuring that the triumph funds were invested in our region we we get to you know get to the election we start um, get start getting appointed to a committees in the in the legislature and um, in the House we have the House and the Senate in the House the House Speaker um, Speaker Corcoran set up a select committee on Triumph Gulf Coast and it was every member who represents one of the eight disproportionately affected counties um, so a huge signal of All right, guys you're going to make the law that we're going to pass um, or you're going to make the law that you're going to sell to the full house so you know. It, he, he was clearly saying these funds do belong in Northwest Florida. So it was a, that in itself gate was a big win for us that it doesn't, it didn't end up that we were, you know, like we are, we arguably are with other issues of, you know, two wolves and a sheep deciding what's for dinner. And so we, we were able to hold those, hold those funds that 75% that 
that Senator Gates uh, had initially laid out in that statute. Okay. Um, so then, they, but then there's, you know, there were some new, new set of legislative leadership um, and kind of new, new philosophy on how those funds should be spent. I think that, you know, in the, all their beliefs, they wanted, you know, wanted them implemented and, and reflected in the new statute. And um, so we, you know, with a couple of the kind of the main, one of the main real fault line, the biggest fault line, I think, was um, whether the fund should be used for economic incentives directly to companies. And, you know, the, on one side, you folks call it corporate welfare. On the other side, you, you call it targeted, you know, kind of the code is um, you know, targeted industries recruitment kind of stuff. Um, that, it, you know, that's one that is, it became a major, you know, a major hot button. I, I really think it's more an insider kind of political issue. I, I don't know how much kind of average folks really think about it, but, um, you know, it's one that it's a legitimate public policy debate. And unfortunately one that kind of, I believed up until 24 hours ago was 24, 48 hours ago was going to gum up triumph. Um, we'll see. I mean, we don't, we don't know yet what the, what the Senate was going to do. So, so switching gears, the, the rest of the story over on the Senate side, um, the Senate didn't have a special committee on it. There were just two senators who represent two, I guess, three, three senators, but two who really have the bulk of the counties for the bulk of the population, the bulk of the coastline. And who were making. I'm sorry, that's, that's Gaynor and Broxen, correct? It, exactly. Okay. Exactly. And please, it cut me off and shut me up if I'm going on. Okay, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so that, yeah, so Gaynor and Senators Gaynor and Broxen, um, you know, they, they didn't have a, their little special committee of two or three or whatever, but they, um, you know, they, they wanted to stick with Senator Gates' original vision for triumph with, with a few modifications. And, um, and then initially that was the approach was it was going to be the original one. And then in the, in the press in the last two or two to three weeks, it just sort of just seemed to take a hard right, you know, just veer off into an entirely another direction with, Oh no, now instead of the triumph structure, we're going to send the, a significant amount of the funds straight to the counties, um, just right off the top. And then in, in formulas that were just, to me, uh, it made no sense. It was like, you know, treating, uh, um, Wakala County, which is a wonderful place, but represents, you know, I think one and a half percent of the population of the eight counties. Um, you know, the same amount that goes to, you know, Escambia County or San Rosa or Oklahoma and the other. So just what it was, it was kind of, you scratch your and think, what are you, you know, what's the purpose of that? And, and it was just a very different, they're very different approach. Um, what, and then they, the second fault line, they also believe yeah, that um, they didn't, they didn't share the house's position of, um, on, on economic incentives and whether, whether that's the, the corporate welfare or targeted industry recruitment an appropriate thing to do with tax dollar. So that's where we were until 48, until well, 48 hours, about a week ago, there was a report that Senator Gaynor was going to offer an amendment. Once the bill hit the Senate floor, that was, that would um, that would add economic incentives into the into the back into the bill. We had we had passed our bill maybe six weeks ago. I mean, it was one of the first things we did. It passed unanimously off off the House floor. So that bill had been sitting in the Senate for for quite a while. And so now we're down we're down to you know seven six seven days until things are until we're done and we're done until next year. So the clock is really ticking. This is the last, we are down to the last minute, uh, last called the last three minutes. And it's just got, it's, we're waiting for the, for the bill to come. And there was some, what I, I, I hope is just kind of, kind of saber rattling, rattling and kind of, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure what the motivation may have been, but, um, 
I'm much more confident now, not based off anything I've seen in the press, but just off um, kind of chatter around around the Capitol that um, that know that they're. You know, I think I, I think that we will be able to get there. The Senate won't put in things into the bill that the House won't won't support. Um, so that's where it seems to be headed. But again, we'll you know, there's still crazier things have happened in Tallahassee in the last week of the legislative session. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. And just, and just for clarification, when you're, when you say 75% of the money, that's $300 million. That's what we're looking at. That's, that's what's coming into. So Beth, it's yes for the next two years. Okay. Um, it's even better because the total pot is $2 billion. So we're looking at one and a half billion dollars over like 15, 16, 17 years. Wow. And if you if you ha- do you have the ability to post slides and stuff, I can get you some some data if folks want to dig deeper on it. Oh, absolutely, uh, and that's okay. so it's three hundred million dollars. And right now, when you say how we're divvying this up between the counties, how is it how is it written in the bill now? Is it is it okay. just even split? Yeah. So so yeah. So right now in the House bill, um, we do not cut cut up the funds between the counties. Okay. Well, um, yeah, we, and we we do not we're not doing that. Well, we, what there there is language in the House bill. Um, that's sort of a, it's a look back that, you know, this was sort of a kind of a nod to, to the smallest counties, kind of a respectful, yeah, the big guys aren't going to, we aren't going to beat up on you and take all the money. Um, you know, there's a look back that says each of the counties has to, uh, have received, um, I think the number was five, five percent, I believe where we were, um, in the house bill it was five or six, I forget, but it roughly, it was kind of rough justice matching this negotiated formulas that the counties had for the restore act funds where they had come together and come to this agreement. It wasn't exactly on point, but it was roughly right. Okay. Um, and it was just that, you know, kind of to assure those, those small counties that, um, the triumph wouldn't triumph board wouldn't just send it all to the big, the bigger urban areas. So, um, so that, that's the house bill, the Senate bill. Um, I, that was one thing that Senator Gaynor had said he was going to add. He's a former (laughs) County commissioner and he, um, you know, what he, he did said he wanted one of the money to go straight to the counties. Believe they county commissioners are, you know, they're elected. They, um, have lists of, they know they're, you know, his argument would, I would try to make it for him would be that there are other elected folks who know what, what the needs are in the county and that they would be able to best administer, administer these funds. Um, I, I don't share that view. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a very, very different opinion, but I think that's the case that he would probably make. He said he was going to amend the Senate bill to add that. Uh, and and that was clearly not the approach the House took. And so, um, you know, I I don't think he's going to amend the Senate bill to do that, but we'll see. Okay. Okay. I'll let. And, oh, and by, yeah, by his so his yeah his approach was to would have chopped taken off you know rough call it close to, forget the exact amounts if it was that he said he was going to do, but it was a it would have been a significant chunk of that three hundred million just as a check cut straight to the county. So not kind of the look back. Did you, you know, the aspirational look back goal for Triumph, but instead it was a check cut straight to the counties. So I'm, I'm going to jump in here as, as John Q. Public, <clears throat> excuse me, who just, who honestly um, doesn't know all the back ends of, of this kind of stuff. So, so here we are, we're getting money. Like now what? Right. So does yeah. it, does it just sit somewhere? And I mean, who does it go to? Where does it go? How do we decide? what it's going to be best used for. I mean, um, how can I get some of it? You know, I, I mean, yeah. what happens next? So that's exactly what, what, what the house wanted. you know, what, what I think, what I think we all want is we want a process where it's open, it's fair that everybody can get at, can put it in a project to see if, you know, try to get, get approval for it. There are, there 
are there's a five member board. It's laid out in statute. They're all they you know representatives of of the of the region um, who are they're they're appointed folks now who have been named by the governor, the Senate president, the president, the uh, Speaker of the House, the Attorney General, and the state's CFO. And Each has an appointment. And yep, go ahead, Frank, I'm just going to name who those people are. It's the Triumph yeah. Gulf Coast Board, Inc., mm-hmm. um, and they were developed by Senator Don Gates. And so the first person is Pam Dana. She's out of Destin, Florida. And then we have Stan Connolly, Gulf Breeze. And that was appointed. He was appointed by Governor Rick Scott. And then we have Alan Benz, and Alan Benz was appointed by Don Gates. And then we have Stephen Riggs out of Destin, Florida, and Rob Benzo- Benzazi out of Destin, Florida. So that is the Triumph Gulf Coast, Inc. board. Currently. And so now it is going to be seven members, correct? Now we have. Yeah. So in the okay. House bill, we add, I think we added two members. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what the Senate bill does. We will see. But, it, the, you know, again, this was one of those kind of, you know, the um, a nod to the to the smaller counties of, OK, guys, we'll let, you know, you guys will to ensure that at least your voice is heard. You feel like your voice is heard more that you'll have you'll have somebody on the board. OK. And there's already been projects that have been submitted. I mean, there's things in line for this kind of stuff, are there not? Yes. And that's one of the things, Frank, that when you kind of look at what, when you see what's happening in the news, you, I, I see a lot, I mean, and you can correct me or help me to understand, but it looks like Bay County, they're already have projects going or they're looking at port expansion projects. So there's already, I mean, and that's fine. It's just curious because we're in Escambia County and we don't hear much coming or, you know, about Escambia County or Santa Rosa County. So how is, how is that, that some, some counties are already talking about it. They already have plans and yet we're over here and we're not sure what, what's happening. Yeah. I, I, so, so to date, I don't know that Triumph has even accepted a single application for a project. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there may be news reports of folks looking to Triumph funds for different types of funding, uh, you know, for, 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 for different projects. Um, yeah, but to date, I don't, I don't even know that Triumph has, you know, they certainly don't have staff or anyone who could, I, I believe, who could even accept a project. I don't, you know, they, they certainly have no money to spend. Um, I, you know, I've, I think in, you know, locally we do have, certainly on the minds of county commissioners, I'm in the mayor and, uh, and others, I'm certainly hearing from them often on how they think, you know, the, the kind of the guardrails that we're setting up in the, in the legislature, how Triumph should, you know, the, the different categories, the different buckets in which they can invest funds. Um, in the region. And so I, yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely time though. This is the time to start, you know, for, for folks who do want to put an application for triumph money to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or well, to begin to be, to start in the early stage, you know, start working on it. Okay. Um, hey, even, even though, you know, it'll, it'll all be final in a week. So, you know, they'll, it'll, you'll have more specifics then on, on what is actually an eligible, you know, project that's eligible. Yeah, that, that was my question, Frank. This is Vernon. Um, is uh, the original bill, Gates's bill, um, had a lot of language in there about accepting investments into companies and you know, into growth industries, a lot of language about growth industries. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, from earlier conversations, my understanding was that there would be a, an ability to invest into both companies and infrastructure and services and training, lots of different things. So uh, the question I have is, what is the definition of a project now? What is an eligible project? I, my understanding of the House bill is it's really only training and infrastructure type, you know, um, investments. No longer can you, we invest in companies. But then, and also in the House bill, a lot of the controls were stripped out for overseeing those kinds of investments. 
Then I'm hearing now, without a bill in front of anyone uh, from the Senate, that we, we do want to reinsert this idea of investing in companies, but there no, the controls have been stripped out. So I'm really curious, and, and you may not be able to answer the question because you haven't seen the bill, but what's the thinking there about, at the end of the day, what kind of projects are eligible for Triumph money and what kind of projects aren't? So, so Vernon, I think you, you nailed it on the head when you said that the it's you know in, infrastructure and workforce workforce training workforce you know, investing in workforce um, those are the those are the two, I think I would expect to be the two biggest areas of eligible um, you know two biggest places where where they could where folks uh, Triumph could invest folks who put in applications to Triumph could invest um, you know the investments in specific companies and the, the control you know that that's an area where. That wasn't that was like you said directly. It was in the original Triumph bill. It was in, it is not in the House bill, and it's. I don't know. Maybe in the Senate, Senator Gainer talked about amending the Senate bill to add it, um, but we haven't seen it. We haven't seen that amendment yet, and the deadline hasn't is. I don't think we've hit the deadline just yet. But um, you know, it, I, I think he he put out some early word that he was going to, but we'll see. We'll see if it actually happens. Um, you know, I can say that in that scenario, um, I, I don't, I don't think we even get a chance to, that's, that's the scenario where it, we don't even get a chance to vote on it in the house. I mean, we, maybe we, we, we get it, we strip it out, we send it back and because it goes to the Senate and, uh, you know, maybe they, they, it's that we bounce it back and forth and it, and it dies because our, we're not going, the house is not going to add economic incentives to it. It's just, it is a, it is an issue that, um, the speaker of the house is, put down as a as a as a principle and um that we're we're just not going to back off of and yes. the house has you know there's 80 something you know, two over uh, over two-thirds of the house voted um for that in a, in a broader context and the kind of the enterprise florida debate and you know it's it's just as clear the will the will's not there in the body to do it so um gotcha. so i i think it'd be a poison pill if if senator Gaynor were were to add that amendment at this point um the, you know, you mentioned controls being stripped out. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's the case. Um, I, I really don't. I, I think, if anything, this uh, the House bill at least has a lot more oversight and transparency than than the original um, Triumph Act. Just, just to be clear, I, w- I was more talking about the controls over equity type investments. For example, we there was there was language in there for having an outside independent auditor to look over those kinds of investments that has okay. been stripped out. Well, okay. it makes sense Got because it. we're not investing in companies. And so right. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. I was just worried about if the Senate wins and gets their way, are we going to have those controls back? Cause I like the idea personally as an entrepreneur that yeah. there was an independent oversight of that. Yeah. 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 Anyway. So I want to know what's considered uh, uh, infrastructure and and workforce training. I mean, yeah. and is it is it is that considered on a on a state level on a state entity doing that kind of work, or are we talking about uh, private companies being able to provide infrastructure and private companies being able to do workforce development, workforce training? Great question. I and I, and I, I wish I had the bill in front of me, and I should have it to. Uh, to tell you for sure, but I, but it's certainly K-12 and, um, community colleges and, um, and, uh, universities could do it. I believe that nonprofits could, you know, nonprofits could do it too. Maybe, you know, maybe even private companies, but you know, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It would have to be for, you know, broadly for a public purpose. It couldn't be just for one company kind of thing. Um, 
I, I'll, I'll double check that and I'll, and I'll get back with you and, and send you some stuff that, mm-hmm. that you can post on it. But, uh, you know, that I, I, my opinion would be that in workforce, we need to be investing significantly in the jobs of the future. So in training people for those jobs of the future, so that companies like, um, like app river will, you know, will have, they won't have to go try to recruit engineers from other places that they'll have, um, they'll be able to hire straight out of, well, if I could just yep. jump yep. in there. And <laughs> and I think that's a wonderful idea. And we certainly want, and I think we're, we have a lot of great um, talent coming out of our schools. Now we have the cybersecurity program at UWF and Pensacola state college programming engineering. And so, I mean, m- for me on a, on a personal note, I'm as Frank, I've told you the whole story and born and raised here and went to all the local schools and then fortunate enough to work at IMS expert services and app river. Um, we just need more of these companies here. And so it's yep. great that we have this idea that we're going to produce these students. But what good is that if they go somewhere else? Right. I mean, that's what's going to happen right. if we don't invest some component of this money. I believe it was for economic development. And that's why we should be putting it toward getting companies here. And I feel like the ideology at the moment is is hampering that. Um, because, so, I, I mean, I personally think that um, Enterprise Florida, I mean, Public and private partnerships are are necessary, and everyone else does it in every other state. So it's not as if it's not a it's not just centric to Florida. And then you have you have winners, and then you have some losses. But this is what the money is for. This is exactly what it's for. So I I don't understand why we can't at some point just take some of that risk because I believe if we if we focus on infrastructure, it's going to state funded projects. Um, that's that should have been funded through state tax dollars, not not this money. Is my per- so, is so, my impression? Yeah. So okay. So, so kind of two ideas there. Sorry. <laughs> One that was a really good point because yeah. <laughs> we were yeah. seeing some evidence right now of of organizations being very yeah. concerned about funding, and and it feels like it's kind of in the shadow of what might Triumph do, right? Yes. And so that you know all the chips start moving around on the chessboard, and you don't know where it really went. Mm-hmm. So it's a good question. Well, so, the, so you know, the, I guess the, on the first issue, I think it's, you know, the, the idea of a of a kind of a trade off of things that taxpayer, you know, triumph money going to pay for things that taxpayer funds normally would pay for. Yes. Um, that at least at the state level, that ain't gonna happen. Like we're not. I'm telling you, then the the your House and Senate <laughs> elected officials will not allow our colleagues to not give us our fair share of of funds for. Um, for local and local projects and for, you know, state, state funded projects in the region. That's just, it's, we're not going to let our colleagues do that to us. Okay. Um, so, and, and it's, you know, and I think practically it's just, it's going to be kind of out of sight, out of mind for the rest of the state. I mean, having been over there in the process now for four or five months, they're just, they're going it, to, it, they're going to kind of forget about it because it's going to be that thing that happens on kind of automatically over in Northwest Florida that was an issue in 2017 and they, they sort of forget about. So, I'm I'm not as worried as much, I'm not as worried about about that trade off effect kind of the the shell game call it right of of, of state tax dollars um, the, on the the bigger point about about investing taxpayer dollars you know in and I call them taxpayer dollars that's another point of debate are these really taxpayer dollars should we treat them like they are or are they um, are they something different you know I, to me I settle it on. Every dollar, you know, it's this is this is public money, and so whether they were taxed from someone or taken as penalties from a, from a corporation um, for when it was held responsible for something, I, I got it. You know, it's it, 
we got to treat them in with the same level of response, fiscal responsibility. Um, and, and where I rest comfortably saying that we shouldn't make those investments directly in corporations is, is looking at the track record of the state and doing it. Um, there's, you know, Google, when you, when you get a chance, Google digital domain enterprise, Florida, um, which is, was a, a massive debacle, um, in, on the treasure coast area where in Fort St. Lucie, you know, just like 70, there were between, I think it was somewhere between 50, $70 million in state and local incentives were put into a technology company and it just evaporated. Um, and you know, had 300 jobs that just literally just vanished when it was, it was not a proven company. It was, but it was, you know, we, you know, policymakers, you know, well-intentioned folks were kind of duped into believing they could make an investment in something that was sustainable and reliable and would create sustainable jobs. And they were, you know, they were wrong. And, and I, I see more of their, the track record, the evidence I've, I've reviewed as I decided how I was going to vote on, on the bigger issue on the Enterprise Florida bill showed that, that the government, you know, no surprise, government is not good at allocating capital efficiently to the best investment ideas, to sustainable investment ideas. And so that just, you know, it wasn't a good, in my view, just wasn't, wasn't the best way to spend the funds. Now it's politically, it's unpopular for me to do, to say that and take that position. Um, it's, you know, especially because we have exhibit A of incentive programs working in, mm-hmm. in the state with Navy Federal Credit Union, a fantastic, wonderful corporate, you know, company in our community where we have, um, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in capital investment and a beautiful modern corporate campus. We have, um, up, you know, right now at five on the way to 10, you know, five or 6,000 jobs headed quickly to 10, not slowing down to 10,000 jobs. I have, uh, I work at a group of car dealerships in my day job and we have, uh, I can name you three names right now of very good people who worked in our, in our back office. Um, all three, uh, all three women, two of them single who went from, um, you know, in roles that are at a car dealership of, kind of that are 10, $11 an hour jobs that really top out at 14 and just our business model doesn't support paying that rule anymore. And you won't get this. And through automation in 10 years probably won't exist. Um, they were immediately hired out and they, you know, they're, they've all, they've gone to Navy fed and are starting at 20, 21, $22 an hour with mm-hmm. better benefits than we have and real training and other skills. And, uh, you know, so there, I, I see how it changes. It's, it's transformative. It changed lives. That, that project worked. And then again, you know, for every one of those, you have a dozen examples of not quite as flashy headline failures as digital domain, but other, other issues, other, other just failures where government made a mistake on investing funds. You also have, um, issues like there's a street corner in Orlando where tax incentives were given to, you got three, three gas stations on the street corner. You've got a racetrack, you have a 7-Eleven, you have a Wawa. Well, one of those three got, got incentives got tax, you know, tax dollars taken from the other two that were paying taxes to get, um, to incentivize them to build a gas station. It was Wawa. So, you know, that, that fundamental unfairness and just, it, it just, it doesn't, it's not fair and government's not good at doing it. So that's this once in a generation opportunity. I just, you know, fear that if we were to have a mistake or two of, and this is how I think we do lose. We would lose the rest of that one and a half, the one and a half billion is if 
you know, what if it does seem to the Triumph board and that, you know, the, the next digital domain type of company does pop up and boom, we have it enough and something going. And then sure enough, it's not a sustainable economic, um, you know, sustainable in the economy and, and it closes and shuts down. Well, that's the kind of thing that my, our colleagues in the, in the legislature would say, uh, Northwest Florida, what the heck were you doing? And that's how the rest of the funds end back up in general revenues. We show them that we can't, we can't be responsible stewards of, um, of the public trust. So, Hey, Frank, uh, this is Vernon again, uh, but there is a middle ground here, right? I mean, we don't have to have the d- choice between a state investing in individual companies with lots of money or never investing in anything, in putting any money into companies. Um, is part of the, fir- the first bill that some of the language in there was designed, I thought anyway, the way I read it, to support the idea of, of co-investing with funds like venture funds or equity funds, private funds. And there was a, I think the state had to, <clears throat> excuse me, could not invest more than 50% or something like that into the fund. So the funds would be professionally managed. They're, they're private enterprise. The government money is being used to seed and lower the risk of the funds. So, and the fund, it, the restriction on them was to invest in the local business community. As an entrepreneur here, Frank, and you know this, um, w- one of the biggest issues we have in Pensacola and in the Scammy County area, and, as well as the other counties, I believe, is the formation of capital for entrepreneurs for growth companies. We don't really have an organized formation of capital like you see in Silicon Valley where I spent many years. Um, this to me, one of my hopes about this money was that we could, we could put a fund together or two or three or see, help some other funds lower their risk. So they would invest in our area in companies in our area over the long haul. We got this huge cash flow coming to us over a long period of time, which is, as you know, and with your background, it, it's, it's like, uh, honey. To you know, <laughs> for VCs to hear that kind of, of story, and I'm just wondering, what was the thinking? What, why did, was it just ideological that we pulled that out of the whole idea? Uh, what was the thinking about using funds, and why did the idea of investing in funds disappear? And could it come so back? I, <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I think I think it was it was um, ideological. It was the, the bigger it was the kind of the bigger issue and they were all lumped in together. I mean, I, I know exactly one model of a, of a program that works exactly like you described, Florida Institute for the Commercialization of, um, of Public Research. And that, that, that group does exactly what you said, where they, they, you know, that entrepreneur first to have to, has to have his idea validated by, um, by outside investors putting their own capital on the line and then the public dollars come in on a match basis um, and you know, and, and similarly situated alongside getting a return. And I, I, that's an investment return if there, if one comes. That's the kind of, that is exactly the sort of middle ground um, that solves for that problem that I'm describing of government not being good at picking, <laughs> picking, uh, picking, you know, allocating capital efficiently right. on projects that are sustainable. So that's the kind of thing I like. It, it's just, it, it was a, it, it wasn't something that, was going to fit sense of the house, you know, the house wasn't going to be there right now. And, um, you know, it, I, I, no, I, I, I understand it. Yeah. It's that, it, yeah, it's still, it's still actually like that program is actually available right now to, to start up something com- in, in companies. It's just, I, I get it. I hear you. But you know, the idea of taking, you know, 20 million from triumph and setting up a seed fund, or not setting it, is, it up, but providing yeah. matching funds for existing fu- existing venture capital funds and seed funds 
to, to match them, to lower their risk. So they choose to invest in cybersecurity companies in the, in the region and, you know, use a little bit more money for UWF cybersecurity training and degrees. And all of a sudden you've got the kernel of a really fast growing business with the ability to fund entrepreneurs. As we all know, if you've trained enough programmers in any town, you're going to have entrepreneurs because it just doesn't cost that much yeah. to start up a, a company. But then you need to fund their growth, and that's where Pensacola stumbles. And that's where I was really hoping <laughs> to, to bleed my heart out here. I was really hoping that Triumph would, would figure out a way to put some of the money aside to help funds do that. So, so, so Vernon, do you, I mean, how would you help me understand that more? The, and this is, I, I it, this is something that I'm, you know, is it, is it the cap? Will will capital find good ideas where they can be, where they can, you know, will, will capital find good investment opportunities, right? Like, it, or, yeah. or is it that Pensacola doesn't have the, the the good investment opportunities, or like the chicken or the egg, right? Does the well, capital it's, it's create both. the good investment opportunity? It, it, it's it is chicken and egg. It's always chicken and egg. Uh, you know. When Austin got theirs going, when Charlotte got theirs, you know, you know, Raleigh Durham got theirs going, it was chicken and egg too. It's chicken and egg in Atlanta, and now they're doing great. Mm-hmm. It only takes a couple of winners to do that. Knapp River is actually doing very well, but they're a private company. It's a different model. But the idea is, yes, we want to fuel the, the supply of capital, and we want professional investors, right, who know how to invest in fine entrepreneurs who want to put, who want to take participating cybersecurity growth, and they see good assets here. And it's not just for one fund. It's for any cap, any venture fund who wants to allocate investments here. We would match investments, making it a more attractive investment for them. That only solves the capital side. But with public investments, this is the other part that the house is definitely behind in university programs like cybersecurity at UWF. You're fueling the supply side. And as I say, I, and this is just a fact. If you train enough people in programming and in new technologies that have a natural demand outside of our area, you will fuel more entrepreneurs, especially in software and online services where it's not that expensive to get going, as we know. So if you do those two things together, you've got a really good shot at, at getting companies funded and having growth capital to keep them going. It just seems to me, it's just my opinion, but I think that, that we're kind of at that point in this community where that would go a long way. So, Vernon, I'm 100 on the supply side. I am all in. I'm with you. We yeah. need We need... It, we need really good CS grads coming out of our of our colleges and of our state college and universities. We need uh, we need you know we need Launch Code, at, which is a, a nonprofit that does right. you know kind of programming train you know, skills train actual hands on training with software engineers. We need and a job um, yeah. and a job yeah a job at the end of it right like we we need I'm all for Triumph and that Triumph will be able to fund um, programs like that on the supply side. On the supply side, exactly, um, and then you know the dynamic you talked about of this being the the, the cheapest maybe ever time to start a company where you don't necessarily need company, you just need the skills, um, the relevant skills in the marketplace. So that on the supply side, I'm with you. Um, on on the on the capital side, that's where the investment capital, where I, there are I think there are already. Ex- those opportunities already do exist. There's a there's an active angel network out of Mobile, you know, out of, I guess out of Alabama, right? That we kind of have a group of Pensacola folks, but there ha- there just haven't been, at least I haven't you know, seen the real investable ideas at that at the level that I think you're talking about the A kind of the, the late seed A B C stage. Right. Well, there there are a couple here that are that are 
getting very close. And 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 it's not that we need local money to do it. it, it but what happens is, as, as I know, App River, you've seen this same stress of not having the people, the skills here. But imagine if you're a new startup company in your industry, App River exists here too, and they're your security, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you hire all the good people because you're an established company. This new company has a hard time getting going or even attracting capital because it's, it's just it's just too hard to get going. And it, they end up going to Atlanta, yeah. you know, and we've had a couple of entrepreneurs yeah. recently move to Atlanta. They, they continue to go to Atlanta. It's a great place because yeah. there's capital and skills. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess the capital absolutely makes it more attractive for entrepreneurs to move back home and for better I, the companies to move back here. We've seen a couple recently do that, um, but net, they need capital. And so that's it's just got to have the egg with the chicken. <laughs> uh, and uh, it would be nice to see that happen. Right now, it's just a little too loose for a you know angel investor like myself who it's hard to invest um, without having enough follow on money there. Got it. OK, so, so the problem that the government money would solve for in your mind is that you would invest now at seed, but. That you think they would run into challenges at in later stage investment rounds, and right, and, and it would be a, they'd have to move. Right, with the other other cities that have more to offer their business and have a supply problem solved, end up getting that company at the seed stage, and we don't fund it, and it doesn't grow here. On the other hand, it's really attractive for funds to invest here if there's matching money to lower their risk. They will continue to double down. And and, when you'll, and as an entrepreneur, I know that they're going to continue to do that. So I'm a lot more comfortable doing it here. The incentive is here, permanent, a long-term, 10-year plan. So anyway, that's just – we're kind of belaboring this. And, and I understand the, the dynamics. I think I do. <laughs> I've never been an elective official. But um, I think I understand the dynamics you're dealing with. And I, and I appreciate the ideology of it. I, I mean, I really do. I just, but um, from a practical standpoint, it'd be nice to see funds be able to uh, invest in companies. Yes, as absolutely. Well. And and then it just with our our cyber growth. I mean, it. The, I mean, I'm running into people from Washington D.C., um, Los Angeles, Silicon Valley. Everyone is recognizing that the Panhandle is the place to be for cybersecurity, or it's going that way. But how wonderful would it be if we could say, "Hey, I mean," and I'm just same thing you just said. Yes, we can help you come here and we can match your funds or we can help you get started. And then we have a slew of talent coming out of our, our schools and our universities and we'll be able to, um, you know, to staff you up and and then help our residents here. So I, I agree well, with that, too. I don't I don't mean to be all dark and gloomy about this. It's not that we can't do. I mean, it's wonderful that the money exists. It's wonderful that the state is still going to target 75 percent of it on our area. And we absolutely can solve the supply problem, and that's enough to take to investment firms to at least get them yeah. interested. And hopefully, we can we can keep a few more entrepreneurs here longer. Um, so I'm not I'm not trying to be negative about it. It's all still very good for all of us. Uh, but it, it, anyway, I've killed that point. I think. <laughs> yes. Good job. So you know, man, what, like one one idea that, that I hope that that the that colleges and universities are, and I'm going to bring encourage them to every chance I get to apply for expanding their CS programs and, you know, in both, you know, money for kind of career changer folks who, who want to get, you know, an industry credential, um, or, you know, folks who want to actually go the CS or undergrads who want to go the CS route. Like we, I want us to do more of that, particularly in the, 
cybersecurity area. Like you said, I think there are natural strengths there that we can really build on and, and leverage. Um, I'm all, all for that. I think there are also things that you all can do, like Beth with I-10 Wired. That is a that is such an awesome asset for our region, and you've been able to sustain it and grow it every year. And um, you know, maybe there's something that I-10 Wired could you could apply to Triumph for to, to you know let's let's try to get a, a massive cybersecurity conference in Pensacola you know, in, in Pensacola in, in October you know September October one of those times that are kind of shoulder seasons mm-hmm. um, you know and apply okay. for funds for for something like that you know I mean I think that's a it's a it's in the grand scheme of things about three hundred million dollars it ain't gonna be you know it's not gonna be that expensive but you could do something really significant and bring in some um, to bring a lot of attention and focus and. Um, Anyway, just I, I think there are it, it blank slate um, with opportunities on on the workforce kind of supply side of it. So, so I, I'm going to jump in here because I, I think I, we're all bouncing around a lot of ideas. But how do we ensure that this the the, the I think the most beneficial thing is just to keep this line of communication up and running and open and really on a on an almost day to day or weekly basis to be sort of visiting these things that could be happening. I mean, we've, we've thrown out five or six different ideas. We've thrown out five or six different things that we know would help. How do we ensure that, uh, not only with you, Frank, cause I know you're busy, obviously, but, but here in town or just between us and the legislation and, and us and the distributor of the funds that these kinds of conversations stay open and stay, um, um, uh, effective enough to actually make some change. So I, I think that it's, it's doing what, what Beth and Vernon have done effectively and that's like grab me and get you know make me focus on it so um i'm absolutely going to be an i-10 wired this year and i'm i'm forming i'm going to be the chair of the of the technology caucus um in the, in the legislature we, we have we've never had one only okay. three states have them um and and we're starting one i mean i've got you know, representative jamie grant who was spoke at i-10 wired last year is my, my room, one of my roommates, but also he's going to be one of the Tallahassee, but he's also going to be a Cox member. And we're through that. I've already met, you know, folks from CompTIA, which is kind of the, yes. one of the major credential. Yeah. You know, CompTIA, mm-hmm. um, TechNet is another kind of consortium of a lot of big technology companies, uh, that is active in public policy. And so I, I'm going to, through this tech caucus, start going to a lot more national conferences that talk about tech policy. And I just, you know, we have, what what you all, what you two are doing and keeping it on, you know, getting in my ear, um, and you know, keep me aware of whenever other other opportunities come up and you know, drag me into discussions and stuff when you whenever whenever you can. Um, Doug Underhill is another one I know who has uh, has he been involved with you on the I Ten Wired? Yeah. Yes, he has yeah. on the cyber side. Okay. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, he's a guy who's beating the drum constantly on, on cybersecurity. We've, we've yeah, even, sure. we've even connected a little bit of, of Tampa and Orlando and some yes. of the, the GovCon events that have gone on down there due to, um, some people that have been to I-10 that actually grew up here and lived here and now reside in Tampa. So we've expanded even into, um, not just cybersecurity, but obviously into the government contracting and all the other pieces, because they're facing the same problems that we are. Whether you're public yeah. or private, there's a gap. Period. Got, got it. Got it. And uh, you're it, smiling, Beth. So no, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming no, it's, that's what it's we great. wanted. And, and when you 
when uh, when you form that technology council that you spoke about, I mean, and how can we make sure that you understand? I mean, we just had Innovation Coast, and I, I would like Vernon to talk about that because it was amazing. We had a high turnout of, of um, candidates and businesses and just all from Northwest Florida. Yeah, so I'll it, let Vernon talk about how Innovation Coast or Co- Innovation Coast Awards. And They were nice enough to ask me to judge. So yes. I, got, I got to spend the, I got to look at every one of the candidates and, it's really turned into a pretty impressive event, not just for Pensacola, but I mean, the, the awards, the prizes, I'm not sure if they're, they're the biggest I've seen anywhere around mm-hmm. here by far, and probably the biggest in the south, south certainly south of Atlanta. Yeah. Um, Two winners are actually here in this building. Yeah. Yes. And, and <laughs> I, I've said this right as we're, we're finishing judging, you know, I was impressed with the diversity of the opportunity of the businesses. And if you saw the results, the number one winner was an oyster harvester. Yeah. Using new technologies, really interesting new technologies um, to reseed what what has been a depleted stock Mm -hmm. and move more into commercial farming and uh, and and bring bring our industry back. And you know when we measured it on all the different factors, uh, economic development being a a very important one, it was hard to you know pick anyone else. Even though we had a number of software companies, we've got online startups, product companies, Mm -hmm. uh, really impressive event. And I, it, it, I hadn't been in a couple of years, and it seemed so much more organized, and everyone was so much more fluid as an entrepreneurial community. It was, um, it was really good to see that. That's again, Frank, why I keep saying, you know, we're kind of primed to to get some top down leadership and money and support to to get a few companies going, and and uh, it's it's kind of that time now. I think the uh, before back, the capital gets too expensive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'll back you up. I think the the community here. At least from what I've seen, just being in it um, over the last two and a half years, is we've all sort of reached the learning curve of what people are looking for and how to get your ideas across and how to actually get your business established and sort of get out of the gate, like you were saying. Uh, we we do face the challenge of sort of what's the next step after six to eight months in? Uh, how do I make it two to three years to really start expanding and, right. and scaling? But I think um, at this point. You know, we're all to the point now it's like we're done wasting time. We all know, like, let's just get to the sort of the lean startup kind of feel of it. It's, yeah. it's like, here's we are. This is what we do. This is how we do it. This is the impact it'll make. It's, it, it doesn't seem to be the dream world as much anymore. I mean, it is the, it's a very much a dream world, but it's not presented that way. It's, uh, it's, it's very, um, straightforward, I think, and, and very, uh, put together. So that you're not left asking lots of questions. And you said it's been a couple of years since you've been. Yes, yes. But but it seemed a lot more organized. And yeah, I think, it, and that's what, exactly what I mean. Like, and just the conversations are yeah. different. You know, when I, many years ago, when it, when before even before Innovation Coast, when we'd have events like that, it was like everybody, nobody really even knew how to talk about starting up companies. Sure. You know? mm-hmm. It was really a lot of IT folks trying to get contracts and trying to, mm-hmm. you know, trying to land deals. It was most of the community here. And, and now it's the opposite. And everybody's talking about ideas and companies. And have you heard about this guy? And mm-hmm. it's much more network. There are a lot of entrepreneurs here. I know I, I advise right now personally 10 different p- companies mm-hmm. at a variety of stages. Um, and, and on the, on the board of one. And it, I, there's a lot more activity going on. Yeah. There's a lot more collaboration too. Yeah. That's what I've, I've been seeing a lot. And more it just of. feels like, uh, with the BP money that we've got an opportunity to really, um, Blow the roof off. <laughs> well, yeah, to get organized about this, to get really serious about it as a community, and 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 uh, and get some growth companies going. Yeah, yes, and, and, and be a hub. And then, Frank, yeah. if you need data and stats, I'm your girl, so we can just send that over. <laughs> Corker yeah, would love that. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> he I, seems I, to be love, a numbers I, guy. I love hearing that. I love hearing your optimism. I love it. And Vernon, Vernon, 
you know, Jordan and I work together in, in the the nascent startup community of twenty. What was that? Twenty twelve. Yeah, two thousand ten. Ten was yeah when I got yeah, back. 10, yeah. yeah, with um, when Startup Weekend got going, we had yeah. you know, three or four really good, um, good events, and then I, you know, then I started moving in, in this into this route of running for office, and um, but it made a big difference, yeah, and and the education of the community <laughs> is kind of there. You're seeing people come from all different parts of the city now. Doesn't matter their economic status or or their cultural status or whatever. They're coming out, they're starting companies, and they're looking to the places like where we are right mm-hmm. now, the CoLab facility. They come here and say, well, how do I get in here? And so that part has been done, and now it's we got to get serious and build some companies and get capital flowing into them in a regular way. Um, and I think a lot of companies here also need help with growth. How do you grow my company? Sure, Not strategy. Just, I, starting strategy. up, I got that. You know, I can, yeah. I can go with on ramen and noodles for a year. Yeah. But or two. how do I, but where do I go get growth capital? Is this really a viable business? Mm-hmm. And if it is, how can I get people to help me with grow, building a sales force and, you know, product management, that kind of thing. So, um, the things that, that we've both saw Frank before, those are problems that still need to be solved. So yeah. I do think this money could be used with or without direct investment in companies. I think this money, part of that money could really be used to help fuel the training and education of, of entrepreneurs who are ready to grow yeah, and to get some real serious uh, investment funds interested in the area around a theme like cybersecurity or, I don't know, robotics and AI, which yes. is actually we do have some skills here, mm-hmm. or yep. anything aviation related. Mm-hmm. You know, um, drones, I, I'm a big fan. I think drones, it, it would take some work, but I think this area has got a, a rare mix of skills in that area as well, especially drones for security, police, mm-hmm. And military applications where they don't want to buy the drones from China, from the Chinese, like the one mm-hmm. I'm looking at right now. <laughs> so, uh, right. So I think there's, a, there's yeah. a huge market for that right now. It's growing fast. It's very real. So I, I think these are areas that we could really, um, if we could just get organized around an industry or two, we can make a, we could build a lot of companies in the next five years. So yeah, I'm I feel, per, I, I want to help. I want to help. Okay. You will. <laughs> I think you just got elected again. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. And then Frank, just quickly in this, and then we can, we can sign off. You, we, you've had plenty of time with us and we appreciate it. But how closely are you following the economic de- uh, development plan that uh, Northwest Florida Forward has put out? Is that, is that a part of the piece here? Um, how is that yeah. driving? Is- yeah. So this is Florida's great Northwest. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, so I, I, I'm following it very closely. I have, okay. yeah, I haven't since the session started. I haven't, you know, I, I got the, the printed version, but I kind of knew what was going to be in it, and I skimmed it and loved it. But I, I was going to sitting there to dig back back in deeper later. I was part of forming it, and felt like I was able to get my get my input in, and, um, and certainly like the process that they went through gathering info. Um, so I, I haven't been just because I've been in Tallahassee, I haven't been able to participate in many of the any of the stuff since, but, um, as soon as the session ends in seven days, I will be back. Okay. Okay. And so we're having an I 10 wired mixer on Thursday, five eighteen, and it will, well, it's the place is to be decided. We're, we're still working on that, <laughs> but it's going to be, um, just kind of a kickoff for I 10 wired. So if you can make that, that would be great. We're going to have, um, uh, representatives from UWF, Chris Hendricks from app river. Um, we'll also have Glenda Snodgrass with the net effects mm-hmm. and then we're going to, Keith, you're going to be there I'll be there, and then Vernon, you're going to be there sure, and be we're there. just going to have, um, just going to have a good time. So you should, you should come hang out with us. You got it. I'm in. I'll be there. <laughs>
Great. Well, uh, Frank, I want to thank you for taking the time to spend an hour with us on a Saturday. I mean, that was fantastic. We, we really greatly appreciate it. Guys, I love the, love the conversation, and uh, thanks for the opportunity. Okay. Awesome. Thank All right, you. guys. This has been uh, I-10 Wired Radio, and uh, we'll see you guys on the next time. This show is brought to you by IT Gulf Coast, Florida West, and App River. If you are interested in sponsoring I-10 Wired Radio, please call 850-288-9959.